What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. It's Wednesday, May 5th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick, and this is What a Day, where we are ordering from our favorite local Mexican place for Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, to be clear, this is different from how we've also been ordering from the same place two out of every five nights during the <laughs> pandemic. Yes, those meals were uh, were not celebratory. Yeah, they were literally in defeat. <laughs> yeah. On today's show, we break down the state-by-state campaign by conservatives to outlaw the teaching of systemic racism. Plus, we'll have headlines, but first, the latest. Two months from today, families across the country are going to celebrate the 4th of July. Our goal by July 4th is to have 70% of adult Americans with at least one shot and 160 million Americans fully vaccinated. Wow, that is a lovely thing to do for Malia Obama's birthday. So that was President <laughs> Biden yesterday setting another goalpost in the U.S. vaccination campaign. Giddy, how should we read into this latest announcement? Well, overall, I think it reflects the major challenges administration is facing right now. How do you properly convey that more normality awaits when you get vaccinated, but at the same time, not have everyone let their guard down? That is a very difficult question to answer. Then there's also been this recent slowdown in the number of Americans that are actually getting their vaccines each day. It's about half as much lately compared to the peak of around mid-April. There's a good New York Times graphic we can link to that kind of shows that drop off, but it looks pretty steep. Uh, But Biden was able to deliver on his promise of 200 million shots in his first 100 days. So this is a new and separate target that he set. Yeah. And to reiterate that 70 percent of the adult population gets at least one shot by Independence Day and that 60 percent of that same population be fully vaccinated by that time. So why those specific numbers? I think for one thing, they are conceivably possible. Um, For another, this harkens back a bit to our discussion about herd immunity yesterday. The reported thought process is that that 70% vaccination rate is not going to necessarily get us to herd immunity, but it is enough to keep seeing these big drops in cases, deaths, and hospitalizations, especially if it's spread out evenly. Uh, We've already seen some evidence of that already. But again, the reason that things feel a bit tricky in the U.S. right now is that there are so many factors people are expected to consider in day-to-day life that can just be different depending on where you are. Like, is yeah. everyone around you vaccinated? How could you know if they are? Are there a lot of cases in your area? What about variants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, a lot to consider. And it's starting to seem now that part of the reason why so many people got vaccinated so quickly is that those people really wanted it. Uh, I can attest, I really wanted to be vaccinated. So how realistic even is this target from Biden? I think it's a good question uh, that I wish I had the direct answer to. But, you know, we can start with what we know here. Already, we're not too far off from that 70% goal right this very moment. Currently, over 56% of adults have gotten at least one dose. And then when it comes to that other goal of 60% fully vaccinated, 40% of adults are there right now. And then if we put those percents into people over the next two months, uh, you'd have to get about 35 million adults with at least one shot, and then in total about 50 million adults for full vaccination. So as of right now, the goal definitely seems possible, but we'll see how things go from here. 
Well, I hope it's all on the up and up. And how is the White House actually trying to make this happen? Yeah, so the the bigger move seems to be away from these mass vaccination sites to smaller and more local pharmacies, for example. We already saw some of those closing in various states because of lack of demand. And Biden wants these sorts of places to offer walk-in vaccinations. He wants to add more mobile clinics and send doses to rural areas. And then there's going to be money set aside from the relief package to help in all of this. About $250 million for workers to help get to hard-to-reach communities, about $100 million for rural health clinics, and about $130 million on vaccine education and info, just as some examples. Oh, I love when they spend money like that. All right, so President Biden <laughs> yesterday also talked about changing the way the vaccine doses are portioned out between the states. So what's actually happening there? Yeah, so the administration is planning to take unused doses from various states' weekly allotments, put them back in a federal bank, and then let other states that need more doses request higher numbers than they might have been allotted. And they're currently handed out based on this whole population-based formula that the White House has not broken from. That was kind of the back and forth with the administration and Governor Whitmer when Michigan had that surge. But last week in Arkansas, for example, state officials said they had enough stock in place and they actually turned down their entire share for this week. So hypothetically, this change could make it different for future situations, and those doses could be sent elsewhere for a state that wants them. Mm. More to come on vaccines in the days and weeks to come. But Akilah, let's turn our attention to something else much more uh, insane that is happening in America. Right. So this past week was excruciating in state legislatures nationwide regarding critical race theory and if it should be taught in our public schools, campaigns led by Republicans. And it all stems from the Nicole Hannah-Jones at the New York Times Pulitzer Prize award-winning 1619 project. That project notes that the year 1619, the year the first enslaved Africans arrived in what's now the U.S., as a crucial point in American history. And why wouldn't it be? I mean, I've really yet to hear anyone say with their chest why the original sins of this country aren't important to learn about about. It's just a bunch of adults whining at board of education meetings about how McKaylee shouldn't have to learn about how this country came to be. Yes. And for those folks who might not know or might not remember, remind us what critical race theory is. Okay, I'll define it, even though Republicans can't, nor can they define woke or cancel culture. Uh, So critical race theory is the idea that we should teach history from a perspective that is holistic and considers the experiences of people from different races. And in America, that means looking at the way our founding happened in the shadow of institutionalized racism via slavery and how all the systems that have endured in this country came from that same time period. That's literally it. It's Mm -hmm. like saying, hey, instead of learning about the Holocaust strictly from the Third Reich perspective, we should probably hear what it was like if you were Jewish or non-white or disabled at the time. Like, that's kind of what we're getting at. And you wouldn't believe how the how dare you call me racist slash there's two sides to every story party feels about that. Here's Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell last weekend. There are a lot of exotic notions about uh, what are the most important points in American history I simply disagree with the notion that the New York Times laid out there that the year 1619 was one of those years. Wild that he doesn't think 1619 is an important year when the slave masters that he referenced in another part of the statement in those future years, like 1776 and 1787, would almost certainly say that the year when the free labor force that they raped and murdered and mutilated first arrived was an important year for them. Yeah. And so Republicans don't like this curriculum. They hate it. They want it to go away. How are they trying to make sure that it does? 
So heavily, Republican legislatures throughout the country have basically either proposed banning it outright, so where are these cancel culture decriers on this, you know? I haven't heard anybody saying this is bad. Uh, Or they're proposing teaching Donald Trump's half-assed 1776 project, which is basically the whitewash history we were already being taught with a little more USA, USA propaganda attached. In Louisiana's legislature, for example, there was a committee hearing last week on a bill to ban the teaching of critical race theory. Here's the author, Republican Representative Ray Garofalo Jr., getting smacked down by, thankfully, his Republican colleague, Representative Stephanie Hilferty. If you're having a discussion on whatever the case may be on slavery, then you can talk about everything dealing with slavery, the good, the bad, the ugly. The there's, whole. there's no good to slavery, though. Well, then whatever, whatever the case may be, you're right. You're right. Wow. Ooh, okay. <laughs> the, the laughter the is good. where <laughs> you knew he was losing <laughs> that, that conversation. Yeah. Honestly. Uh, Then in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis called for a $17 million fund for curriculum that excludes, quote, unsanctioned narratives like critical race theory. In North Carolina, the lieutenant governor established a task force to stop school children from learning from marginalized viewpoints. And a Republican gubernatorial candidate for Virginia posted an education plan where two of seven points were dedicated to straight up combating learning about history with race in mind. For the Republicans who say, you think everything's racist, you make everything about race. No, like literally just the racism. (laughs) And I don't know how you argue that this isn't racist to only tell the story of America's greatest sin from the perspective of white people who are too ashamed to tell the truth about it. This is why they want to keep Confederate statues. And this is why we have to tear them down, because it's a false history for cowards who literally can't even stand to hear another perspective. I mean, they're literally legislating against it. Yeah, and you mentioned several states here, but just to share a few more, Idaho's governor signed a bill against critical race theory last week. Arkansas's governor signed a bill on Monday to prevent teaching, quote, divisive concepts uh, by state agencies (laughs) to employees or contractors. So this effort is going on all across the country that we should keep our eyes on. Yeah. I mean, I think that when we talk about race in this country, white people have to remember a couple of things. First, White is a race. And so teaching things from only that perspective is actually inherently divisive. And secondly, whiteness and the concept of race was created and perpetuated by white people. You're not the default. So please internalize this discomfort, sit with it, and maybe speak to a professional about this main character syndrome that is afflicting the culture. We've been fed lies about this country in an effort to preserve some romanticized, sanitized version of how the country came to be. And it's time to tell the truth. Michael Harriet, the senior writer at The Root, shared screenshots of social studies textbooks throughout the years explaining racism for different grade levels. In maybe the most egregious version, the text argues that, quote, many slaves were taught to read and write, and then tried to downplay the horrors of chattel slavery, stating that many of the horrific laws we know existed, quote, weren't always enforced. Not the America I know. Uh, Another text laments that it was illegal in slavery times for the enslaved to read and write, with no reflection on who made it illegal and the lack of pushback from all of the Mm -hmm. free people. So this tainted garbage is already being taught. So my final thought is, if you are anti-teaching history as it happened in favor of teaching it in a way that coddles white feelings, you are a racist. And if you don't want to be called racist, maybe stop doing racist shit. And that's the latest for now. It's Wednesday Wad Squad, and for today's Temp Check, we're talking about Biden's first visit to the Twilight Zone. The president and first lady, Jill Biden, went to the home of their predecessors, Jimmy and Rosalind Carter, last week, and the meeting produced one extremely surreal photo. 
In the photo, Joe and Jill kneel next to Jimmy and Rosalind, and by some sort of optical illusion, they appear to be about twice the size of them. As one person put it on Twitter, quote, overused term, but this is actually Lynchian. So, Giddy, mm-hmm. my question for you. Did you see the photo? Can you explain it? Yeah, of course I saw the photo. Let's, uh, yeah, let me get into a little bit of uh, dissection here. So, Joe specifically is 34 feet tall. <laughs> Uh, Maybe in real life too. Have you met him? Like, I I have not seen him. Well, I've seen him in person. I I've not I've not been close and as close as Mrs. Carter is here. So maybe that that's you know what it takes in order to see the true height. Um, It looks like a like a grandparent's home. It's got like a sky blue carpet Mm -hmm. situation going on. But the the Carters are shrinking in size in the photo. Like they are they are falling in on themselves into these yeah. chairs. Um, and Absolutely. it must be that they are giving their life forces over to the <laughs> current president and first lady, which is a natural tradition that presidents yeah. do when they meet each other. Yeah, that's another transfer of power that we just don't talk about enough <laughs> in our exactly. society. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. That is what you were really seeing. It's two people, the first lady and Joe Biden. And the, I mean, I here's the thing. I don't know if they're normal or if the if the Carters are tiny or if they're giants, uh, the Carters are normal. It's kind of hard to say. But I, I feel you on, on your uh, your version of this. Yeah, this is one of the scenes in Alice in Wonderland but they both ended up in the rooms that were like opposite their sizes. You know, when she's going into like the small room and the big room, they both somehow like went into the same room, but didn't like transfer their sizes sizes. Yeah. 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 How would you explain this if somebody hadn't seen it? I mean, here's the truth. I have been on the business end of several wide angle lenses in my time where I'm Mm. unfortunately on the end of a group shot and I look like (laughs) a giant refrigerator and everyone else looks normal. It's very upsetting to me. And when you tag me in that shit, I know that you don't value our friendship. And that's actually a really strong thing to say because I'm realizing that one of the photos I'm thinking of came from the official Crooked Media account. (laughs) When I was doing, um, I think it was Pod Save in New York City. And, uh, yeah, I just got to say, I mean, you got to have a narrower lens and don't just like think that it's going to be okay if there's people who are like really flanking the people in the center. So, yeah, I think that Joe and Joe look gigantic because they're so much closer to the camera, like they're leaning forward and the other two are leaning back. And so it's giving you that optical illusion of just like the borrowers are out of the cabinet. And I think (laughs) that's a lot. (laughs) I think it's a lot to handle. I understand why Twitter was confused and concerned. Uh, All respect to everyone involved, but let's just use better lenses. You know, when we take this picture and we see it in the viewfinder, let's not post that one. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Let's take a deep breath and take another picture. (laughs) Well, just like that, we've checked our temps. Stay safe. Stay the size that you are, you know, like just kind of like be on the lookout for anybody who's trying to poison you and make you smaller (laughs) or larger. And we'll be back after some ads. What a day is brought to you by Monarch Money. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it easy to help you reach your financial goals. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, your investments, transactions, and more all in one place. You can create custom budgets, track your progress towards financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. It really just makes it easy. 
After trying out Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash wad. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash wad for your extended 30-day free trial. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, Fast Growing Trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash wad today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash wad. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, released new climate normals data yesterday showing that weather across the U.S. is warming. I'm sorry if this is the first you are hearing about this trend. It is actually a really big issue, and I hope you're sitting down. NOAA releases these figures every 10 years using data from the past 30 years to calculate what constitutes normal U.S. climate. And in addition to getting warmer, the normals reveal that the U.S. overall is getting wetter, with precipitation varying by region. Much of the eastern two-thirds of the nation are seeing more precipitation, while conditions across most of the southwest are drier. Uh, This week, severe weather is battering large parts of the country, putting over 100 million people at risk from New Mexico to Delaware. According to the National Weather Service's Storm Prediction Center, the states that faced the greatest risk of severe storms with possible tornadoes yesterday were Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Tennessee. Mexico City is still reeling from the tragic collapse of a metro overpass that killed at least 24 people this Monday. As of yesterday, only five of the victims had been identified. Videos of the incident showed the overpass instantly snapping as one of the metro cars fell onto a vehicle on the street underneath. Over 70 people were taken to a hospital following the crash, and officials have not announced a single cause of the tragedy, but the city's metro system has been plagued with problems for years. Former Mexico City mayor and current Mexican foreign minister Marcelo Ebrard was criticized by many this week for overseeing the construction of this metro line. The project faced multitudes of accusations of mismanagement and corruption. 
There is a new after-hours warehouse party in town, and it's called Going to the Doctor. Hey. A new study found that the illegal drug MDMA, also known as ecstasy or molly, could help treat symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. In the 90-person study, 67% of people who took the drug no longer qualified for a diagnosis of PTSD after two months. Importantly, study participants took MDMA during talk therapy, leading to a synergistic effect that seemed to help with the processing of painful memories. Medical experts warn that MDMA from a health provider is different from common molly or ecstasy, which could be laced with shady substances. Again, I hope you're sitting down. In one of the most uplifting medical testimonies to exist, a participant in the study said of his experience, quote, you understand why it's okay to experience unconditional love for yourself. That is beautiful. The FDA needs a second large-scale trial to approve MDMA for therapeutic use. From there, approval could come as soon as 2023. All right, the 20s are lit. After fighting for months to overcome his addiction to posting, Trump has finally <laughs> fallen off the wagon. The former president and current lost soul haunting Mar-a-Lago returned to the internet yesterday with the debut of From the Desk of Donald Trump, a website that lets him bypass social media bans to communicate directly with his followers. A launch video describes the site as a, quote, beacon of freedom and a, quote, place to speak freely and safely. So a lot of freedom there. Uh, but as a collection of posts from just one user, uh, most Internet experts would probably describe it as a, quote, live journal. For Trump, it's missing some functions he used frequently on Twitter, like the ability to repost users whose bios say, I am a Nazi and a white supremacist, and also my guns are not registered. The site is not Trump's upcoming and much-hyped social media platform, according to his senior advisor, Jason Miller. But its launch is well-timed to line up with Facebook's announcement about whether it will lift his suspension. That decision will be announced this morning around 9 a.m. Eastern. Let's hope Facebook does the right thing so we can all continue to not use it no matter what. Yeah. I just think that he should have got on Substack. It was it was sitting right there. If you really need to say whatever it is you're going to say, yeah. come on. I mean, that's what everybody's doing. But you know what? I think he can go. Uh, and those are the headlines. <laughs> One more thing before we go. In the latest Hysteria episode, comedian, activist, and stepmom, Lindy West, joins Aaron Ryan, Alyssa Mastromonaco, and an all-female panel to talk about the different paths to motherhood, reasons why women choose not to have kids, and how we can celebrate all the maternal relationships in our lives. Check it out and subscribe to Hysteria wherever you listen to podcasts. That is all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, direct us to your live journal, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just beautiful, life-affirming quotes about MDMA <laughs> like me, What A Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Akilah Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and happy, happy Cinco, Cinco de, de Mayo. Mayo. Yeah, I hope you really enjoy it. Go off. Yeah, you should enjoy every day, but this one especially. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun and Jazzy Marine are our associate producers. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our executive producers are Leo Duran, Akila Hughes, and me. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Explore the world's hidden wonders on the Atlas Obscura podcast. A village in India where everyone's name is a song. A boiling river in the Amazon. A spacecraft cemetery in the middle of the ocean. Every day, the Atlas Obscura podcast will blow your mind in 15 minutes. You can find it on the SiriusXM app, 
Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.